new life. We are so glad that you could join us from wherever you're joining us from. And uh, today's a good day. Amen. And uh, new life. We're located at 1021 South Center Street in Wapiton, North Dakota. And you who join us on our virtual campus, we would love to have you come and join us. Um, I was told this morning, early this morning, that somebody cloned my, my account. So I'll be going ahead and fixing that later today. So don't, you don't need to answer, no friend requests, okay? Um, it's not me that's requesting your friendship. I do want your friendship, but let me get it fixed first, and then let's talk. Um, it'd be kind of fun to have a roll call where you're watching from. Um, that would be fun if you just put in the comments. We've, had, we, we, we've been seen as far away as Kabul, um, Afghanistan, Kenya, the Philippines, Florida, Canada. It'd be kind of fun just to say, hey, um, greetings. Just greet us from wherever you are at. <clears throat> that would be kind of a fun roll call today. And uh, um, because we wanna, we, we're glad that you can join us from wherever. And next week, we are having our 95th anniversary, 95 years of ministry here in Richland and Wilkin counties. And so we are so glad that um, it's hard to fathom that it's been 95 years. Do you feel that old? <laughs> Well, maybe Hal does. <laughs> but, um, no, but none of us have been around that long. Um, and so, yeah, there you go. There you go. But I want to talk about, as we continue going through the book of First Timothy, and, and First Timothy has been teaching us about our conduct, how we should behave ourselves, how we, how we conduct ourselves. And, and today, Paul turns to the subject of honoring the pastor. Honor the pastor. Now, I am not, we don't do pastor appreciation in October like all the other churches do now. We wait till before camp meeting so you can send me to camp meeting. That's how you've done it for years, and I don't worry about it. I know you appreciate me, and I know you love me. And so, and I love you too. That's not why I entitled this honor the pastor it's because of what paul talks about okay that's why i entitled it and it's talking about the conduct of the church members to the pastor but also the conduct of those who are in ministry okay and that's important let's look at um first timothy chapter 5 and we're going to start reading in verse 17 let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while it treads out the grain. And the laborer is worthy of his wages. Hmm. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for this morning. 
I thank you, Lord, that we can all gather together like this and to hear from you, Lord. Lord, it's my desire to hide behind the cross so that only you shine, Jesus. Lord, let the words that I speak be the words that you chose me to say today. Help me, Holy Spirit. I need you today. And I thank you for the anointing to preach this wonderful word. Also, Lord, anoint our ears to hear from you today. Let this word find good soil in our hearts and in our minds. Let us go forth and share this gospel message with others. In Jesus' name, amen. The truth is that we are all called. It's not just, and I, I want to take this little side trip before I get into the text here. We are all called to reach people for Jesus. Every, I don't care if you were called and God gave you the gift of helps and you keep the lawn looking good and the bathroom's shiny. We need that, right? Toilet paper in the stalls, right? Nothing's worse than going to church and no toilet paper. <laughs> it's not like at home you can call the dog to fetch. You got a dog that can fetch toilet paper, you're pretty good. <laughs> but we are all called to be witnesses and share the gospel message with others. The, your story, how Jesus touched your life, how Jesus saved you, you share with others. That's what a witness is all about. You don't have to be the greatest theologian. Not all of us have to be Billy Graham, right? Or Jimmy Swagger. Right? Or Dr. Hill, whom we all love. Or even Jonathan Kahn. By the way, he'll finish his message this Wednesday night that he started last week. Boy, was that a blessing, wasn't it? We're right in our prophetic um, summit. And Jonathan Kahn came to be with us for our first one. And followed by Perry Stone. What a lineup we have for that. Anyway, I don't have time to talk about that. Not time to do a commercial. I got friends who do, do a long commercial on all that stuff and then get into the message, and I'm not going to do that. I want you to stay with me. But we are all called, and God has a purpose for all of us. Let me share this before I get into the text. Let me, one more sidetrack. Remember Esther was a young woman, Orphan. The children of Israel have been taken in captivity to Babylon. Now the Persians are in charge. King's mad at his wife, so he puts her away and decides to have a beauty contest and get another wife. Can you imagine having that much power? I'm going to put my wife away. <clears throat> Sounds like King Henry VIII, doesn't it? And I'm going to get another one. <coughs> of course, in the Middle East, they can have as many wives as they want, right? <laughs> I don't recommend it. <laughs> anyway, Esther gets put into this beauty contest, right? 
And of all the 127 women that are there, she wins and she becomes the new queen of Persia. And all of a sudden, Haman, the bad guy in the story, wants to kill all the Jews. Just because we're in 2023, and that was way back in B.C., doesn't mean things have changed. There are people who still want to kill the Jews. Right? We're seeing it played out. And what we're seeing, what's happening in Israel, is prophetic. The Bible talks about these things happening. And there's going to be a bigger war than that at the end. So when we see these things, Paul says, get excited. Look up. Because our salvation draws near. Because Jesus is coming again. Okay? And all that's happening in Israel right now is the Father is trying to get the Jews saved. Can you imagine? They're so, uh, the Bible says they're very stiff-necked. And so God has to get their attention. And that's what he is doing right now. Getting their attention. And he's going to prove once again there's a God in Israel. He does it all the time. They attack and they can't figure out how do these little people stop all these belligerents. Right? Esther's uncle sends, comes to her and says, Esther... Do you not think that maybe you were born for a time as this to save your people? Do you ever wonder why you were born now? Some of you were born in the 60s, some in the 50s. We won't go any further back than that. Hey, Al. <laughs> some were in the 80s. Maybe in the 90s. But why were you born for this time now? Did you ever ask yourself that question? Why does God have me here? Why didn't he have me born in the future sometime? Well, why not back in the 40s? You know, where I could have been a World War II hero. Why not the 1800s and I could have gone off and been a pioneer? Wore my coonskin cap. Why are you born now? What is God's purpose? Could you have been born for such a time as this so that we can reach people for Christ and see them saved? All right, let's get into the Word. We've been in the Word, but let's get into this Word. What Paul is talking about in verse 17 and 18, he is talking about Respect and regard. Boy, things have changed. When I first started in the ministry back in the 80s, don't I look like I've been preaching that long? Um, back in the 80s, ministers were held in high regard. Not so much today. But Paul says that preaching and teaching such pastors, pastors who are preaching the Word of God, the cross, and teaching <clears throat> doctrine and what the Word of God says and to stand on the Word of God, <clears throat> Paul says such pastors are to be deeply appreciated. We don't have a lot of pastors who do that today. We got pastors preaching today that there's no rapture. 
I don't know where they get that from. There is a rapture coming. The Bible says so. Because if you deny the rapture, you're denying the resurrection. Our resurrection. When people talk, when preachers preach about the rapture, they're just talking about our resurrection. And don't we all looking forward to that? If Jesus rose from the dead, it was promised to us he is the first fruit of our resurrection. And don't we all want to rise again? Get that brand new body? Oh my word, can you imagine? Nobody here doesn't suffer ever from aches and pains, right? Anybody who never suffers from an aches and pains, just raise your hand. Oh, see, even the young kids aren't raising their hands. We all do. But we're going to get a brand new body that never suffers, never aches, pains, never gets sick. If you've lost all your teeth, you'll get brand new teeth. You won't need glasses. Right? You won't be limping anymore. You won't be weak anymore. Oh, isn't that cool? I like that. And then Paul goes on and says, don't muzzle the ox. What's he talking about? The ox is working, going around in circles, pushing on a big pole. And he's going around the circle, threshing out the grain. And they would allow the ox to once in a while stop and eat some of the grain because they wanted to keep the ox going. Right? He says, don't muzzle the ox. And that's what he's talking about. It's the preacher. Don't make it so hard on him that he can't really be free to preach the gospel. Think about that. And then Jesus said, and that Paul quotes Jesus from Luke 10, 7, the laborer is worthy of his wages. The Expositor's Bible argues that Paul is saying, from the text, the right of a minister to be maintained by those to whom he ministers. So part of your tithe goes to take care of the pastor. You know, your pastor, your, now, now I'm speaking to you as your bishop instead of your pastor now. And I, I would say this to any of the churches on my district. If I was there, okay? Your pastor is your number one bill, right? Then comes the light bill, the gas bill, all the other bills. It'd be a sore church without a minister, without a shepherd. And so Paul's arguing the right for the minister to be maintained by those to whom he ministers. And Paul believed it so much that he wouldn't take pay some places so the local pastor could get paid. Think about that. He goes on and he goes on in First Timothy five, nineteen through twenty one about not touching God's anointed. 
But if we're going to understand that, we need to read where Paul's getting this thought from, back in 1 Chronicles 16. 1 Chronicles 16 and verse 22 says, saying, Do not touch my anointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. King David was being, you see, we need to understand this, that is not talking about correction. Paul goes on to talk about correction. This is not talking about correction. He's saying, don't lay hands on my anointed ones. King David's being chased all over by Saul. Saul's the anointed king of Israel. Twice, God delivers Saul into David's hands where he could have killed him. David doesn't do it because he says to his men, touch not mine anointed. I will not do it and touch God's anointed. In fact, when Saul throws himself on his own sword and dies in battle, one of the, one of the Israelite soldiers comes running to David to tell him that Saul and Jonathan are dead and he takes credit for killing Saul. David's so moved by it and just depressed by it, he has the man taken out and executed for touching God's anointed. See, you don't brag about touching God's anointed. I've had instances where people, when I was a young preacher, I had people who who attacked me and God took them out. I didn't have to do a thing. God took care of it. Because the Bible says don't mess with God's anointed. And I'm not trying to brag about that. I don't even want to go into the stories about that. But it happened more than once. Because God's word does not return void. But let's look at verse 19 through 21, and it says, Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. I like that partiality, not showing favoritism. Right? We've had a debate on a minister's thread that I'm part of on Facebook in the Church of God. And there's been these young ministers all upset that people have called out Andy Stanley for a conference he had at his church. Oh, you can't do that. That's not right. You shouldn't do that. Did you hear his response to that? No, you do not allow things that Andy Stanley did behind his pulpit. Without saying something. Because the Bible says it's okay to do this right now. In fact, there's more than two or three witnesses about Andy Stanley, what he did at his church. This conference was not having sinners come up on the platform and act the way they did on his platform in front of God's children and then saying it's okay. I'm not going to go into that. You can find information on it. I don't need to go into it all. Do I? No. 
But here it's not talking about touching the pastor. It's talking about correcting a pastor that is trapped in sin or false teaching. Did not Paul get upset with Peter? And they had a great argument in, the, in Acts. Peter's sitting there eating with all the Gentiles, having a good time, and then the Judaizers come up from Jerusalem, and Peter withdraws himself from the Gentiles. Like, I can't touch those. And Paul got all up in his face. It got into a huge... Both men had pretty good tempers. <laughs> but when you get to Peter writing in First and Second Peter, he tells us that Paul was right and he was wrong. The Bible says here, there has to be a two or three witnesses, not hearsay. Too much is done in hearsay and gossip today. There has to be two or three witnesses. The Expositor's Bible writes, if the church were to follow this principle faithfully, no member or minister would ever become the victim of one vengeful individual. Even if there is not even if there is only one witness and the preacher lies about the situation, as some will, <coughs> it would still be better to adhere to the word. Knowing for certain the Lord will handle the situation. While men may fool other men, no one fools God. Can you say amen? <coughs> Excuse me. Now, in verse 20, it's dealing with preachers who will not repent. Verse 20 says, Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all, and the rest also may fear. This is talking about he is to be rebuked with the presence of all. Now, let me make you understand. This is not done before the body of the church. This is done before other preachers. Okay? As the next phrase bears out, that the rest may also fear. Think about that. So the preacher is brought before preachers. So the rest of the preachers may fear and not be falling into the same sin, doing the same thing. Instead of dragging it out in front of the whole body. Okay. Let's, let, let's talk about the body of Christ. Are there any weak people in the body of Christ? All the time. Are there any baby Christians in the body of Christ? All the time. Are everybody in the body of Christ mature? No. Are there any gossips that ever show up in the body of Christ? Hmm. See why you don't do it in front of the body of Christ? Because you don't want to hurt. And, and here, it's not the gossips I worry about. It's the weak ones, the baby ones. I don't want to do anything to hurt the babies or the weak Christian. Get it? Because I want to see the baby Christians grow up, and I want to see the weak Christians become strong. But we've had too much of stuff. Fights go on in church in front of everybody, and who gets hurt? It's not the ones who started the fight. It's always the baby Christians. It's always the weak ones, right? Boy, Tim, Tim and I could testify to those things. 
We've been around for a while. We have seen it. And it's not healthy. So this is why we have to follow church order in these things. Years ago, something rose up in our own church, didn't it not? And instead of dragging it all out in front of the whole body, we got the district overseer to come, some other ministers to come, and we brought in the individual before the ministers to try to bring healing and restore. Right? It was done scripturally. All right, let's make this happier. I want to make this happier. Paul turns to some good advice. All right? In chapter, all of a sudden he just turns things around. You know how Paul is. He'll be talking about one subject and all of a sudden, hey, wait a second, I'm going to give you something else. Kind of like Martin Luther. Martin Luther, he used to go and be preaching up a storm in the pulpit and all of a sudden he'd stop and make announcements for the church. Uh, Right in the middle. The just shall live by faith. Oh, by the way, Sadie and Mark are getting married this week. They all want you to come at 2 o'clock and join them for the wedding. And by the way, we need help in the nursery. What does that have to do with what you're preaching, Martin? But he had their attention. Not like I was saying. The just shall live by faith. He would go. <laughs> Paul does the same thing. Let's look at verse 22 and 23. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Oh, I'm sorry, I jumped, I jumped ahead. Verse 22. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily or share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink wa- only water, but use a little wine for your stomach and stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. <sighs> there I go. I jumped ahead, didn't I? Verse 22 refers to approval. Because you don't want to just lay hands on somebody without repentance. True repentance will bring about true results and will be obvious. Don't just lay hands on them because they said, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. There has to be true repentance. Right? Usually I want to know the character of a person before they're allowed to do something in the church. I want to know that there was true repentance in their life when they came to Christ and that they're truly a Christian. I don't want just somebody to come up and say, hey, I want to teach that class. Okay, go ahead. And they're they're no more prepared to teach a class than this chair. And then they come in and start teaching false doctrine because they don't know or have a clue about who Jesus is. Right? And so don't lay hands on people that quickly. But also make sure they're repentant. Now let's go back to that preacher who, 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 was, who has offended. And the preachers are there. And they've called him out on the carpet. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. But don't lay hands upon him. Don't put him back in a position until you know There's true repentance. You see how it works both ways? Don't put a novice into a position, but don't put somebody who's trapped in sin in a position. 
Make sure that repentance is true. And God is able to forgive whatever sin it is that you are bogged down with. Did you know that? You don't need to struggle with that thing no longer. All you have to do is take it back to the foot of the cross and give it to Jesus. And He'll remove it from your life. Truly, let the work of Jesus saying it is finished work in your life. And we need to treat others the way we want to be treated. Oh. What? Treat others the way you want to be treated? You know, the best way a husband and wife can be heard from each, by each other is to treat each other the way they want to be treated. If you want to be treated with respect, then you show respect. If you want to be treated with, I want you to hear me, then you hear them. Right? That's how communication works. If you truly will listen to one another and hear what you, and care about what the other person is saying, come on. Try to put yourself in their shoes. Boy, that takes care of a lot of arguments, doesn't it? Admit when you're wrong. Hello? Tell the other person it's not their fault. I feel so my fault. What did I do wrong? You didn't do nothing wrong. Truly, it is me. Whatever it is, it's not working in me. It ain't your fault. And then tell each other you love each other. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Get it worked out. Have a meeting of the minds. Truly love one another. Because I know you do. Watch, we were watching a movie yesterday. Didn't finish it because we've seen the ending of it numerous times. But we were watching uh, where eagles, where eagles Fly or something like that. John Wayne movie. About one of the early naval pilots. And, and, and the whole movie is where he and his wife cannot hear each other. And she keeps losing him to the Navy. Great flick. True story. She keeps losing him to the Navy. They waste all these years of being apart. And then when it looks like they're going to finally come together, the love story is going to come together, Pearl Harbor happens. And he goes hobbling off because he's paralyzed. He goes hobbling off on his crutches to serve the War Department. And he makes Admiral... Like he always wanted to make Admiral and give her the big house to live in. But he's now a huge, big-time Hollywood screenwriter. But because of Japan attacking Pearl Harbor, he goes off. And, and all of a sudden, the doctors are saying, you're going to have to retire. And now he's going to go home. But before he retires, he's on board ship. And all of a sudden, he has a heart attack. And they never come together. All those years lost because they couldn't listen to each other. She was stubborn. And he was always putting the Navy first. And he even admits to her, I, I can't live without you and the girls. Just sad, isn't it? 
By the way, neither one of them ever, she never got remarried. They stayed married the whole time. They were apart. I know it was the 40s and it was a different time. But they showed him with all their warts and all their problems. She couldn't take care of a house well. <laughs> it was something else. Uh, actually has a lot of funny parts in it. But love one another. Care for one another. Treat, uh, treat others the way you want to be treated. And if you want Him to respect you, then show respect to Him and vice versa. Now Timothy is having stomach trouble. And Paul tells him, drink a little wine. Now this wine back then, wine and grape juice was all wine. Any liquid from the grape was called wine back then. Get it? And Paul tells him to drink a little wine. Now I don't know if it was the wine that we think about as wine or grape juice. The scripture's not clear about that. But he's told to have him drink a little wine for his stomach trouble. Folks, this was a prescription probably prescribed by Dr. Luke for Timothy. This was not a permission to go out drinking. Okay? I've met people who say, well, the Bible says have a little wine, and they think it's given permission to go out drinking. You know, have a little Jack. I don't know who Jack is, but have a little Jack. <laughs> well, I am a Toby Keith fan, so I know what that is. Uh, you know. And then Paul turns back to what he's been talking about, our conduct. So that little bit of wine, that's a prescription. See, even back then doctors were given prescriptions. Come on. Timothy was not using it to get numb. Timothy was not using it to get happy. Timothy was not using it to forget. He was taking care of it because he had stomach problems. 17 years old, pastoring the church in Ephesus probably was not completely easy. He probably was suffering from reflux, from stress. Okay? And you see all these things that Paul is helping Timothy with when pastoring the church. So it seems like the church wasn't so easy, was it? Oh, here's something else about their conduct you need to preach. Before we look at 24 and 25, verse 24 and 25, and we'll wrap this thing up, I'm going to, tell, I'm going to make a statement here I want you to keep in mind. You might as well repent. Because it will eventually, it will be revealed eventually. Okay? You might as well repent because it's going to be revealed eventually. Let's look at verse 24 and 25. Okay, I'm right at 24. I'm not going to skip ahead this time. Some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment. But those of some men follow later. 
Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident, and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. Some sins are evident to everybody. Why should I harp on somebody's sins that's evident to everybody? Everybody can see it, and you can see it. There's a preacher that I know. Man, oh man, every time he preaches, it seems like he's preaching against cigarettes. Well, cigarettes aren't a good thing. I'll ask this question. We, we all want to live holy lives, and we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. But my question always has been with those who doesn't want to give up their cigarettes. What kind of Shekinah glory, what kind of, what kind of incense do you want burning on your altar? Usually that brings enough conviction and I don't have to say anything else. Right? But the heart just on... I remember being a young preacher in Maine. I'm preaching away. Good message. Don't remember it today, but it was a really good message. And God brought conviction to two people in the room. A mom and her son. And I just mentioned cigarettes once. Didn't preach on it. I just kind of mentioned it as an illustration. Just one little tiny thing. Didn't even do it. But the conviction was so strong on them. All of a sudden they got up and stormed out of the church. Maybe made a big show of it. Bum, bum, stomping all the way to the back door. I'm going, holy moly. What in the world is wrong with them? So I had like five ministers in the church. That's not fair to, to a young, wet-behind-the-ears preacher. Have five ministers sitting there judging every word you say. But that was a, that's a whole different story for a different day. I turned to our pastor emeritus, I brother, Brother Fonts, will you wrap this thing up? And I followed him out the door. Standing out on the front porch, I said, wait a second, where are you two going? Are you preaching against us? I said, what are you talking about? I never mentioned you by name. I never pointed you out. I never went up and said, you sturdy sinner, you. Never did that. You get your right, right? <laughs> never did that. Well, you preached against cigarettes. What? I just mentioned it in passing. I said, do you not understand the conviction of the Holy Spirit was getting all over you? What do you mean the conviction? Are you feeling guilty? No! But are you feeling uncomfortable? Yes! Holy Spirit's trying to tell you something. Instead of running away from the altar, run to the altar. That's how you handle those things. Instead of running away and holding on to your sin, you run to the altar and you let go of your sin. You give it to Jesus. Because it's all going to be found out in the end. One day, everybody's going to have to stand before Christ. Now, for, our Christian, for us Christians, we all stand before Christ at Christ's judgment. And we all stand there, and he passes out our rewards. Yep. He passes out our rewards. And the thing is, is when he's going to go pass out his rewards, he has an angel piling up everything we've ever done over to the side. Okay, Karen, come on up here. It's your turn. Yes, Jesus. And you look over there and all the good stuff you've done, all the bad stuff you've done, all the ugly stuff, it's all, it's all piled up there. Yes, Lord. I got some good news for you, Karen. What, Jesus? It's covered. It's all covered by God's grace. 
It's in his sea. All that bad stuff is in his sea of his forgetfulness. And I'm going to prove it to you right now. He looks at the angel. He says, light it up. We're going to have a lot of bonfires up in heaven for this judgment. See, we don't burn. That burns. And he lights it up. Whoosh! That day, we're all going to be rednecks. Did you ever meet a redneck? They're always setting fire to everything, right? Whoosh! And when we look over there, only the good will go into heaven with us. All the regret, all the things we were ashamed of, it's all gone. He does that to show us nobody can ever, ever throw that in your face again. Aren't you tired of people throwing stuff in your face? Come on. But in God's eyes, it's all forgiven. It's as far, when He forgives you and you are saved, it's as far as the east is from the west. The east is from the west. Right? No. Yes, I had it right. That's north, that's south. <laughs> Our God is so good to us. And when we mess up now, as saved Christians, that's why the conviction comes. Because when we mess up, when we fall down in the mud, when we sin, the Bible says if we confess our sins, John 1, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all iniquity. Still, over. But we must take responsibility for our sin by confessing it to who? Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. No, I'm just a man. You take it to our great high priest, Jesus, who is faithful. Jesus, I've sinned. I messed up. Oh, Father, forgive me. And he does because he loves us. Because we've taken responsibility. We've confessed it to him. Now, here's the thing. Some of us are struggling with stuff. We've been carrying around for a long time. We've been trying to work out our own sanctification. You'll never sanctify yourself. Sanctification means being completely separated under God. You can't do it. You don't have enough strength. But by when I am weak, He is strong. We take it back to the foot of the cross. Because Jesus said at the cross, it is <coughs> finished. I've already died for that. I've already forgiven you for that. I've already covered it in the blood. I told you, I've got it. And yet we drag it around. And all we have to do is let Jesus take it. That's what we do with our addictions. That's what we do with those secret sins that we just can't overcome. We give them to Jesus and let him take it. 
And then when they tried to raise their ugly heads, you're gonna, you can say with so much confidence, it's taken care of at the cross. At the cross, at the cross. It was taken care of by Jesus at the cross. And I'll tell you what, such victory comes. Even though that thing tries to get back into your life, uh-uh, it's been taken care of at the cross. So some sins are done in secret. But let me remind you something. I want to tell you this and then I'll, I want to backtrack right to this. None of our sins are missed by God. So we might as well repent of them. The Bible teaches all that are done in secret will be revealed. So here's my, here's my uh, um, advice to all of us. Best repent of them so they're covered in the blood and then they'll never be brought up. They'll never have to worry about having them revealed. Put them into the sea of God's forgiveness and God's forgetfulness. Take it to the foot of the cross and leave it there. How appropriate. We've been talking about our conduct and now Paul gives us the solution for our wrong conduct. Give it to Jesus. Give it to him. Take it to the cross and leave it there. Amen? See, we, we, we think that this is just for the person who needs to get saved. No, it's for all of us. Oh my word, none of us is perfect. Any, anybody here volunteers say they're perfect? And then, then, then I'm going to have to tell you, by telling everybody you're perfect, that's pride. <laughs> and pride's not a good thing to have. Right? Yeah, pride goes before the fall. So let's live for Jesus. And we get this stuff taken care of at the cross. It may keep us, it'll make us freer to tell others about our Savior. Amen? Let us pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, you're so good to us. You're marvelous. I am so glad that your word encourages us to live for you. And even when it seems like we're talking about preachers and sin and all this stuff, that it always comes back to you, Jesus. And when we return to you, Jesus, it always ends on a happy note. That we can be forgiven. That we can truly repent. That we can truly live for you. That, Lord, we don't have to be bogged down and not be able to get going for you because we're dragging around a bunch of stuff we don't need to drag around that you already dealt with on the cross for us. Lord, you said whoever you make free is free indeed. Help us to live in that freedom. Help us to let go of these things and just give them to you, Jesus. Lord, touch us, I pray. Touch us, I pray. Move upon our lives. In Jesus' precious name. Have your own way, Lord. Have your own way. You are the potter. We're just the clay. Mold us and make us after your way. Oh, Lord, we need you, Jesus. Touch us, I pray. We turn it all, our lives completely over to you. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I am going to ask, is there anybody here who needs to come to the altar today? You just feel like you need to go to the altar and just turn it over to the Lord. Just come and kneel at the altar. Let it go. Don't carry it any longer. And while we're, I'm challenging folks like this, I'm going to say goodbye to you at home. We're so glad that you can join us. Remember, New Life is located at 1021 South Center Street. We'd love to have you come. Join us for our, our prophetic, um, prophetic summit. And uh, at 6 o'clock on Wednesdays, and of course next week is our big anniversary. Come for dinner. It's going to be good. 10 o'clock, it all starts next week. Can't wait to see you again. See you next time. Hallelujah.